Hey, what's up everyone? You're tuned into KCSB FM 91.9 in Santa Barbara, and it's with great pleasure that we welcome you to Conversations in Climate, an exploration of the Santa Barbara spirit. I'm your curator, Ben Kirsch. Whether it's through the media that we consume, the conversations that we have amongst each other, or the changes that we're seeing in our surroundings, the impact that humans are having on our surrounding environment is undeniable. We've reached a point where data is arguably secondary in regards to relevance, and where the changes that the world around us is literally experiencing are taking the spotlight. However, the impact of our actions has proven to reach far beyond physical changes. Climate injustice has also become a pressing issue both here in our community of Santa Barbara and all around the world. Throughout the month of May, KCSB's reporters have been exploring what it means to be an environmentalist. Over the course of the next 30 minutes, you'll hear from four of our reporters, all of which who took on different issues ranging from climate change's impact on sleep to the disproportionate access to water sports within the Santa Barbara community. Through two pieces highlighting issues currently being faced by our community, and two pieces that are highlighting the positive impacts that those around us are having on their respective issues, we hope to inspire you, the listener, to find your space in this conversation. We all have the capacity to make monumental changes both near and far, and these four stories aim to remind you of your ability to do that yourself. So sit back, relax, maybe even grab a snack, and settle in for an insightful conversation on what it means to make change. As we inch closer and closer to summer, the weather that many of us yearn for all year is right around the corner. However, that yearning is idealistic in a lot of ways, and many of us don't stop to ask ourselves why each summer is hotter than the last. The less ideal factors that come with rising temperatures are becoming more and more undeniable, and many of us are finding ourselves sweating in the early morning hours or struggling to sleep at night because of the heat. Recent research on losing sleep is shedding light on the inequalities that the world is experiencing in relation to the issue of rising temperatures. KCSB's Jennifer Zwiegel has the story. In a new study published by One Earth, people worldwide are expected to lose over 50 hours of sleep per year by 2099. The study involved 47,000 adults across 68 countries, and each adult wore a special wristband that measured their sleep duration and timing over the span of six months, yielding 7 million nightly sleep records. The National Sleep Foundation recommends adults get 7 to 9 hours of sleep per night. However, these sleep records showed that the likelihood of getting less than 7 hours of sleep increased by 3.5%, if the outside temperature exceeded 77 degrees Fahrenheit. University of South Australia lecturer Alex Agostini said, quote, The 3.5% sleep loss may initially look like a small number, but it adds up, end quote, as reported by CNN. Higher temperatures are also linked to an increased difficulty in falling asleep because it takes the body longer to cool down in warmer conditions. Not only do rising temperatures as a result of global warming negatively impact sleep, but they impact sleep differently in various communities around the world. According to CNN, lead study author Kelton Miner explained that the elderly lost twice the amount of sleep per degree of warming than young or middle-aged adults. In addition, sleep loss was proven to be three times larger for seniors in lower-income areas compared with higher-income areas. Science Daily supports these findings, asserting that people in developing countries are more affected by the temperature increase than those in developed countries. In this way, the impact of warming temperatures on sleep is unequal globally, producing greater harm for marginalized communities. Reasons for this disparity vary, yet investigators believe that the greater prevalence of air conditioning and temperature-regulating technology in developed countries could play a role. Still, air conditioners release greenhouse gas emissions, thus contributing to global warming and not offering a beneficial long-term solution to sleep loss. 
Another possible explanation considers vulnerable populations that live in the world's hottest and historically poorest regions. People that live in these areas are poised to suffer the most in terms of sleep, but investigators admitted that they would need to do more research before solidifying this claim. Regardless of location or income level, all people are looking at a 50-58 to 58 hour sleep loss per year. Populations that already struggle with sleeping enough, especially high school and college students, can expect to see drawbacks in their physical and mental health. When people do not receive the recommended amount of sleep, they can have issues with concentration and see an increased risk of other serious health concerns like cardiovascular disease. This was also according to CNN. Alex Agostini warned, quote, Many of us have pulled all-nighters at some stage of our lives. Imagine doing this eight times. How would you feel? End quote. Still, there are solutions to be explored. Agostini declared, quote, The bigger and better solution to the problem is the use of environmentally friendly building planning and implementing other changes to improve the issue of global warming. End quote. To access the full-length sleep study, visit www.cell.com slash oneearth. With KCSV News, I'm Jennifer Zwiegel. Every so often, the environment around us leaves us in a state of confusion. We're accustomed to pointing towards history or data to provide context for the issues that we face, but we don't always have that luxury. The California coast is currently experiencing this type of confusion in a very disturbing way. Throughout the month of May, a surplus of brown pelicans have washed up on our shores, many of which are unable to move and some that have already passed on. The weirdest part is, scientists aren't even really sure why. KCSB's Crystal Martinez explored this bizarre situation and has the story. According to SBWCN.org, on the 14th of May, the Santa Barbara Wildlife Care Network, SBWCN, began receiving an uncommon surplus of brown pelican patients. In just two weeks, they received over 230 brown pelicans to care for. These birds arrived severely dehydrated, hypothermic, and emaciated, which is abnormally weak, usually due to illness or lack of food. There were also several reports of deceased pelicans found all over the Ventura and Santa Barbara County. The cause of this crisis is still unconfirmed. The SBWCN team went into emergency response mode and transported the sick pelicans to the wildlife hospital in Goleta. But this is a widespread event. According to wildlife.ca.gov, since the 13th of May, several wildlife rehabilitation facilities, ranging from San Luis Obispo County to San Diego County, have been admitting several of these brown pelicans. The pelicans are arriving with secondary injuries, many with broken wings, and the majority are emaciated. Several wildlife facilities and state partners are coordinating to assess the situation, says wildlife.ca.gov. While the numbers of rescued pelicans has slowed down, it still remains an ongoing event. The California Department of Fish and Wildlife, CDFW, has conducted post-mortem examinations on the pelicans and found that the results point towards starvation-related problems, yet there are no current indications of disease or unusual parasites. The underlying cause still remains unknown. The California brown pelican is a fully protected species in California. For the safety of the birds and the community, the CDFW and other wildlife rehabilitation facilities has encouraged the public not to touch, attempt to feed, or take photographs with the pelicans at this time. And if rescued, do not attempt to remove embedded fishing lines and hooks from entangled birds for this may cause further injuries. Deceased pelicans should also be reported but not handled. 
If you happen to find a pelican in the area, you can contact your local wildlife rehabilitation facility. For Santa Barbara and Ventura counties, it will be the Santa Barbara Wildlife Care Network at 805-681-1080. With KCSB News, I am Crystal Martinez. For many of us, we can point to specific experiences from our younger years that defined who we are today. Maybe it was going to a museum and discovering an interest in history or art, or playing a sport for many years and discovering the value of teamwork and determination. Nonetheless, these experiences often shape who we are and the passions that we pursue. However, in the age of climate change, how can we provide our youngest with the experiences necessary to develop a passion for protecting our planet? These next two pieces explore what's being done within our community to create the next generation of environmentalists and what spaces are combating generational disproportionality within this sector. Chances are, when you ask a Santa Barbara resident what their favorite part of living here is, they'll often point to what's around us. Whether it be our seemingly endless coast or the mountains that reach high above, the space that we find ourselves in is nothing short of stunning. However, what's being done to provide our youth with the tools that they need to intertwine their home with their education? What spaces exist to provide these outlets for growth? KCSB's Clarissa Rios explored UCSB's Research Experience and Education Facility, also known as REEF, which provides an enriching learning experience for K-12 students to learn about the ocean and its inhabitants. Here's the story. Quietly nestled at Campus Point Beach lies UCSB's Research Experience and Education Facility, also known as the REEF. From the outside, the REEF boasts a sense of stillness, but inside, there are several tanks, each one filled with its own bustling world of ocean creatures. The reef is part of the Oceans to Classrooms Education and Outreach Program started by UCSB's Marine Science Institute, which, according to their website, aims to provide an ocean view of the world through hands-on experiences to people of all ages. One way that the reef has expanded its outreach to students has been through their K-12 programs. Through their touch tank facility and adherence to Common Core and NGSS standards, REEF provides K-12 students with an interactive and educational learning experience. UCSB students serve as leaders for visiting K-12 groups. During a program, students are introduced to a plethora of marine organisms, some of which they are able to come directly into contact with for a more immersive experience. To facilitate teachers and their lesson plans, the REEF leaders are able to match their content and lessons to materials, such as worksheets, that are provided during the visit. Marcy Gore, a first grade teacher at Bridges Charter School, shared some insights from when she took her class to the REEF. She said, The students from UCSB who led the groups in their exploration were engaging, knowledgeable, and informative. It was a wonderful hands-on learning experience. Aside from the on-campus experiences that the REEF provides, they also are able to cater to an online audience. This is done through their live distance learning from the REEF lesson plans, as well as through their virtual REEF YouTube channel. Through their channel, the REEF is able to extend their influence far beyond UCSB's campus in Santa Barbara area and cater to a worldwide audience. For high school students, as well as those in the eighth grade, the REEF provides a unique opportunity to gain practical experience and knowledge about marine biology. The REEF College Prep Internship provides students with an opportunity to work directly with REEF staff and interns to learn about science education and communication. Through the REEF's educational programs, students are equipped with a foundation to engage and explore marine science. They have the opportunity to grow as individuals by learning new skills and gaining hands-on experiences with the help of UCSB students. 
Overall, the reef is playing an integral role in educating today's youth about our ocean and increasing science literacy. With KCSB News, I'm Clarissa Rios. As we continue to explore the importance of providing our youth with the resources and spaces necessary to make valuable natural connections, we cannot leave out the elephant in the room. Both historically and in the present, people of color have been pushed out of these spaces and often are left to either fill the gap themselves or simply not have it. On that note, diversity within our oceans is lacking, not in sea creatures, but in people. The Sea League is an after-school program within Santa Barbara's community that introduces POC children to the ocean in various water sports. KCSB's Jennifer Yoshikoshi spoke to the founder, Chris Raglan, about the program. Here's the rundown. My name is Chris Raglan. I'm the founder and executive director of the Sea League, which is basically a little league for ocean sports. It's taking an after-school rec sports approach to integrating kids of all economic and uh, so, you know, socioeconomic, you know, gender, race, you name it, into ocean spaces. Yeah, and I saw on your website that you like to encourage people of color and diverse backgrounds to come and be involved with the program. Why is it important to have diversity in water sports? Well, I think it's the same reason why it's important to have diversity in, in you know, all sports and, or in, in education or in the workplace. People from different backgrounds bring a certain uh, perspective. And from that comes a contribution that allows things to grow and evolve, mature and um, get better. You know, homogeny is that, as we see with like agriculture, it's not good. It, it actually ends up hurting in the end. And um, diversity is that thing that allows you know, new ideas to form. So in the interest of trying to preserve our planet, in my case, particularly the ocean, I think it's especially important to have um, the people that the problem with our environment is affecting a part of the solution. Yeah, exactly. And so with that, what do you hope this program will do for the future of the community? Uh, people just have more fun. Uh, I mean, end of the day, I think I want uh, people to have a place that they can just go, you know, be and, and have fun, not you know, peacock, not necessarily be about what you have, um, you know, about where you come from. Um, but as this, uh, have a place that everyone owns and and can feel a, bar, a part of, you know, there's this whole, you know, there's a land grab everyone talks about in Santa Barbara, like, oh, the housing market or this and that. And for the younger generations that don't come from money or, you know, especially, you know, people of color, just more diverse people, it, we attach to brands and things like that because we can own it. You know, we can have it, we can wear it. And I think if we were, if the C League were to, if it, when this is um, successful and and like really bringing people together, people will feel like they they really own a part of the community and and they can preserve it and show up for it. And so, what does the demographic of water sports kind of look like right now? Like, what inspired you to make a program that opens up this opportunity for a more diverse community? Uh, that's a good question. In California, it's you know pretty white, but if you go to other countries, it's it's usually pretty representative of people that are from there. I could say I, I will say that at least for ocean sports, you know, surfing and stuff like that, the people that travel to other countries to do those, those are mostly white people because they can afford it, you know. But in California, yeah, it, they've done a very good job. We, America, done a great job of systemically ex excluding people of all other races other than white um, into them, primarily through making it really difficult for people to learn how to swim. If, if you can't swim, beach doesn't seem like a very safe place. You're going to stay on the sand and I don't have a problem with sand, but sand's one of those things a lot of people don't want in between their toes. 
um, to take the water part out of the beach or at least to add the water part, um, I think makes it, you know, like I said, more safe, more fun. Yeah, well, you made a really good point about how a lot of people don't really know how to swim. And that causes a lot of fear of the ocean, which in Santa Barbara, especially is like right in our backyards. Do you have any stories about any students that you've had in within Sea League that have greatly benefited from the program? Yeah, um, I want to say all of them. I mean, the truth is not everyone's going to like the water, like, you know, surfing, kayaking, sand paddling. There are billion, a million things you can do in the water. But I, I think one of the most hmm, favorite story, there were two brothers. There's an older brother and a younger brother. And the older brother started off much more comfortable in the water. A bunch of his friends also joined at the same time. And the younger brother was terrified, for sure. Just didn't feel very comfortable past his knees. You know, as waves came, and he would be, yeah, just genuinely afraid for his life. Um, and the way that the Sea League is set up is, you know, it, the, what makes it so much different than like a park sport. When you're on land, there's not that much risk. But as soon as you get in the water and you start adding waves, you add animals, you add rocks and sea urchins and things like that, you need a lot more hands on deck. So we have three coaches at all times in the water. And one of our coaches took it upon herself to make sure that he went from terrified to actually giving it a chance and standing right by his side. And that's kudos to her as well, to my head coach, Eden, because that's really what it takes. That's what a lot of when I talk about swimmability or like really addressing, I, didn't, I haven't said this yet, but like generational trauma and um, the things that people experience through their family's experience or have things that they've gone through. To really go through that, you need someone to hold your hand. And I guess I realized that the C-League is is not so much in it like, you know, it's the, the league, like we do, we're trying to teamify it, but we are really trying to hold people's hands and go from that place of holding on to fear to holding on to this sense of belonging, you know, in the water. And yeah, and in two months, yeah, this little boy went from terrified to, you know, paddling back out and being really ex- like having, we had to drag him into the water, but then we had to drag him out at the end, you know? So I can relate to that because it can be very stubborn to, to do something I don't want to. And then when I do it, you actually had to pull me out of there. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Well, it's incredible to hear about stories like that. And it must really stick with you also as an instructor and someone who's created this program to see that growth in people from being so scared of the ocean to just never wanting to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And well, thank you so much for telling me about Sea League. But how can people get involved with Sea League? Um, There are two ways right now. There are there's the one way, which is it being a participant. So if you're a parent or um, know someone between the ages of six, six and a good swimmer or seven and 13, and they're interested in um, either learning how to swim this fall, they live in Santa Barbara. You can write me an email, contact me through the website. You can DM me or the Sea League at, at the Sea League um, on Instagram. Those are the, the best ways to get in contact with me, become a participant. Volunteer opportunities are, there's a link on our website that says get involved. And through there, you know, you can look at the criteria for what we're looking for as far as just because you want to get involved, there there are just a lot of prerequisites. We need to make sure that you can function safely with the kids, just, you know, able to swim and supervise and things like that. 
So yeah, just get involved on the website. Also, you know, you can DM me personally at underscore Chris Ragland on Instagram. And yeah, happy to, to talk to anyone, any, everybody interested. I mean, the Sea League's still a very new organization. We went from six kids to 32 kids and, you know, just myself to myself and seven other coaches. So, you know, we're, we are growing, but with that, there, there are these little jumps um, that we're making. So we're kind of collecting a list of folks that want to help and people that want to participate. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I hope some of our listeners can take what you've heard and contact you if they have any children or they themselves want to get involved with the Sea league yeah, yeah. Thank you for the interview. As we come to an end, we encourage you to ponder where you best fit into this conversation that is fighting climate change. Whether that be in your own home, within your community or workplace, there is always room for growth. We hope that through these conversations and stories, we've instilled in you the importance of keeping the home that we love so dearly healthy. This is Ben Kirsch with KCSB News, signing off. Thanks for listening.